Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Preston Walls. Thanks for being on the show, Preston. Thank you for having me, Whitney. I'm excited for this. Yeah, me too. Me too. Preston is the founder and CEO of Walls Property Group. His portfolio consists of 70 multifamily buildings valued over $300 million located in Seattle, Washington. His investment model is geared towards long-term passive income. Preston, thank you again for your time and generosity and being on the show. Give the listeners a little more about who you are and let's dive into a few strategies and a few things that you focused on that I know the listeners are going to benefit from. You bet. Whitney, thank you for having me and great job with your show. I love the broad array of topics you cover on this. Great job with it. But yeah, Seattle's my market. It's where I grew up. It's what I know. My, uh, my father's a real estate developer in Seattle. I grew up going on on service calls with them and uh, traipsing around job sites. And despite my best efforts to move away to college and lived in Manhattan for a few years after college, he uh, got me to move back to Seattle. We uh, built a couple of buildings together and, and then uh, he retired in 2008 just as the economy was falling apart and uh, been on my own since then. Wow. Okay. So, you know, one thing you and I were talking about, and I wanted us to get into it was, you know, you've got a lot of buildings and valued over $300 million. So you're not the smallest fish in the bowl there, I would imagine. But all your properties are focused in Seattle. And I'd love for us to talk about that a little bit, like your strategy behind that and some other things that have come from that. Yeah. Seattle market, it's dense, it's growing. And like many markets, affordability is, is a challenging topic. So one way that we've been able to address to create affordability is by creating more dense spaces. So my value add model, I'm looking at buildings that have have a large delta between gross and net rentable square footage that I can either add new units into or reconfigure existing units to make them more livable for roommate situations. So things like turning dining rooms into bedrooms, adding bathrooms, just to make the space more livable and, and through shared rent more affordable for residents. Wow. Okay. So, you know, why not look in other markets? Why just strictly stay there? Seattle has a fair number of barriers to entry. Permitting, for one, permitting is, is a long, tedious, drawn-out process in Seattle. There are a lot of tenant protections in Seattle that, that make it challenging to do business. And I've invested a lot of time and gain the knowledge and heartache of uh, going through that process and getting to know it. The you know rent growth in Seattle has been tremendous. It's it's always exceeded my forecasts and so the projects just continue to do better and better over time and it, it makes having a, a long term time horizon really pay off. So what's been some of the benefits, Preston, that you would say that that you've seen from focusing on one market and just staying right there? Yeah, it's given me a lot of confidence in underwriting, being able to know the market really well and know the 
the differences between not just neighborhoods, but streets within neighborhoods, the premium or discount that's associated with one side of a street versus another. I really enjoy and appreciate the granularity that that comes with diving deep into a market and having the confidence to go into a competitive offer situation where there, there are a number of offers on a building and be able to have the right strategy and knowledge of what the property is going to become when you're done. What has been your all strategy for finding the multifamily buildings that you have now? Probably half the properties are listed properties that come through the MLS. And then the other half, I've been doing it long enough that the brokers know me. They know my strategy. They know that I'm going to close. They know roughly what terms I'm going to offer on. And so I see a lot of off-market deals that way. Okay. And what are those terms going to be? What do they know that this is what Preston's going to offer? They know it's going to be an all-cash offer. They know it's going to have a short feasibility time frame and some non-refundable earnest money. And uh, probably a uh, 45 to 60-day close. And you've done it enough that they know you're consistent, right? Yes. A, a lot of deals that I win in competitive situations, even if I'm not the highest dollar number out there, they know that I'm going to close. They know that my offer is the security of execution and in, in getting the deal done. And for a lot of sellers, that there's some value in that and that, that carries a premium. So they'll, they'll go with that. Okay. Now, are you syndicating all these properties or is it some of both or is it all are not syndicated? I have a mix of properties. I buy properties on my own. I buy properties for my family. My kids own some properties and I, uh, I syndicate a number of properties as well. Okay. And so, you know, like what's the normal size of property you're looking for? My sweet spot is probably five to 50 units all within Seattle on the value add side. I'm I'm building a couple projects uh, that are in the, the 60 unit range, but the value add, that's, yeah, five to 50 units is, is where I play. Are you self managing or do you hire a third party? I've set up to be as vertically integrated as possible. So, yeah, I have a property management company. We handle the lease up on all the properties. We have a maintenance team, we have operations team, accounting. We also have a construction management team that handles all the renovation on the value add repositioning. We do go with third party general contractors on the ground up sites. And so is that, you know, and I ask this question often, uh, just because I like to hear different people's opinions that have vertically integrated companies like yourself, and the experience level that you have, uh, is that something you recommend other people do? And, you know, as far as, okay, you know, managing their own property or starting their own management company? You know, it's interesting, you ask a 1000 people to get a 1000 different answers on this. I mean, there's value in both approaches, what it's benefited, or how it's benefited me is, having a leasing department, having an operations department, having a maintenance team, having a construction team, it gives me insight. What are construction costs doing? What are lease rates doing? And I'm closer to it. I can go talk to the leasing team, see what traffic's like, rather than than going through a third-party management company. The other way that that benefits me, especially with lease up, those those are challenging times. And need to push a little bit harder on the leasing team than a standard turnover. You're, you're willing to show the department a few more times than you would on a, on a standard lease up because you need the higher rent to get the loan on it to take out your construction financing. 
Okay. And so when in your, I guess, career or in this path, did you start your own management company? Did you have, you know, uh, numerous units or is it something from the very beginning? So I've been self-managing from the beginning and it's just, it's something that evolved and grew into construction management and hiring third-party contractors to do construction management. We brought that in-house and yeah, it's just, it's all grown organically. Nice. Nice. So, yeah. And I, I hear, you know, both sides of that coin. So people say, no, you know, I'm going to hire it out to the professionals and let them do it. And other people say, you know, oh, I, I'm going to be able to have a lot better handle on the cash flow and what's happening on the day-to-day basis, you know, if we're managing it in-house. So, you know, I can definitely see both sides of it, but I just, I love hearing, you know, somebody that's actually doing it and been doing this a long time, you know, just your opinion. And it sounds like it's worked really well for you. And so what's next, you know, how's your company growing? What's happening? You know, like we're where do you see it five years from now? I see doing more frequency deals, larger deals. We're building out our investor relations team. I mean, we started with friends and family money, and that's it's kind of grown to friends and family money. Um, but having a long-term approach, and you know, my my deals go in with no exit time frame, so I, I don't have a, a sales time frame in mind for the assets and it tends to, to gravitate towards family offices and endowments with longer term time horizon. So that's my target audience for asset raises or more projects and larger dollar value projects. Okay. So tell me about, you know, like you talked about building out the investor relations team and what do you hope to like, what's their roles going to be? How do you see that growing? Yeah, the communication is really key in the investor relations part. And we got to a point where we had enough investors that I was I was not able to communicate frequently or effectively enough with them. So bringing in an investor relations team that can manage the, the frequency of communications. We've also rolled out our investor portal to all the investors that has all their, their K-1s, all the tax statements, monthly reports, everything they need is, is right there. So, so they're not dependent on us to be sending that out. They can also have another way to, to access the information. Yeah, that's nice. A lot of people are moving that direction. We've done that ourselves. And so I, I like that, you know, investors being able to go there and see that information anytime and being able to communicate through there as well. But, you know, that communication piece is so important, right? You know, following up with investors and answering their calls or emails as quickly as possible. And, you know, tell me, can you give me maybe an example of how you all communicate with investors or, you know, what's too much or what what have you found to be, you know, too much or not enough communication or, or what you like to see happen? Yeah, so we try to push something out monthly, monthly report, newsletter. We also have ways to check on the progress themselves. So kind of our, our more active sites have Instagram pages for them that monitor construction. So construction pages specifically for active job sites where there's daily progress that you can see. So that combination has been, been a good mix. Okay. What's been the hardest part of this syndication journey for you? The hardest part has been getting that communication piece right. And I probably waited too long to realize that I needed to build out an investor relations team and getting that in place. So realizing those inflection points in the business and taking advantage of them when the, when the time is right. Okay. And it sounds like you've seen this issue though. You're hiring people and you're building a team to take care of it. 
<laughs> there's no other way. We built out an asset management team. I mean, I was doing all the financing and ultimately it got to a point where just the refinancing of the assets has become its own beast. I mean, strategy, since we're not selling the assets, the way we harvest the equity out of them is through periodic cash out refinances. And that's a lot of a lot of communication with lenders going back to them and getting new debt. So your business plan or with these properties is to hold, right? I mean, you don't plan to sell these properties. There's not like a five or seven year hold time or exit. Is that correct? Correct. My plan is to hold indefinitely. That's not to say I'll, I'll never sell. If someone wants to offer me twice the market value, I could very easily be a seller. But that doesn't happen very often. And you know, my goal is to keep the fees low to investors. So to minimize transaction costs and excise tax that are inherent with sales and keep the cash flow and ultimately hold the property long enough that it can turn into something new, that there's a new strategy that can be redeveloped 10, 20, 30 years down the road. Tell me about the types of investors that you have that are willing to invest in a property that they know you're planning to hold you know, forever. What does that look like? Yeah, they have a, a long-term time horizon. They believe in Seattle. They, they believe in, in the fundamentals. The job story in Seattle has been really, really strong. Amazon bringing a lot of jobs to the city. It's, it's a high barrier to entry market. Getting a new permit to or a permit for new construction is two to three years to get. So supply can be challenging. So being able to find creative ways to add density that's not through new construction. It's been a good story. So our investors, do you get many questions about, now, wait a minute, you know, when am I going to get my money back? What do investors expect? I mean, they, because it's going to be a different type of investor, I would think that's going to be willing to invest for, you know, just long term and just keep getting some cash flow or distributions for the foreseeable. I don't know how that would work. I was just thinking about that and what investors would be asking when they're investing with you on a property that you never plan to exit. Right. Well, the return of principal comes back relatively soon through refinancing activities. So the investor gets their preferred return and then as much of of their principal back through refinances. And then, yeah, there's a, a whole period either through cash flow or subsequent refinance when, when the rest of principal is returned. And then it's just cash flow and, and watching that cash flow increase from there. Yeah, I guess I could see where some would be very on board about it. If they see your business plan, they say, okay, say two years in, you're gonna there's gonna be a big cash out, you know, a period where you're gonna be returning their capital. And so then there's just <laughs> getting the cash flow from there. So I could see why that would be beneficial for sure. So tell me what's a way other than improving your investor relations team, what's a, another way you've improved your business that we could apply to ours? Using technologies has been a big one. So on the property management side, digitized all the, the documents and leases. We have no more paper files. I mentioned the, the investor portal. So housing investor documents in, in a site that that investors can log into themselves and access and then using technology for communication, things like Instagram, share pictures on progress sites. Wow. And how are you prepared for this potential downturn that everybody's talking about? People will always need a place to live. And, you know, 
going from the last downturn, it was a tough one, but multifamily is well positioned for that because at some price, there is a willing renter for your place. We have some retail and some office in the portfolio. And, you know, in those hard times, it's really, really challenging to find a business that wants to start in your space. But through amenities, through location and, and having a good product, your last lever is price and um, building some value into your buildings is an inherent cushion against a downturn. And what is your best advice for caring for investors so they want to return to the next deal? Getting the communication piece right. So as much communication as you can give them in as many different forms so that you're giving them a lot of options and giving them different ways to consume the information. And the number one thing that's contributed to your success? Going really, really deep into something specific. So I've gone really deep into the Seattle market, knowing it well, understanding it well. That's given me tremendous confidence over the years to invest when times didn't seem right or lenders didn't want to be aggressive, having the confidence that the rent growth would be there and where in the city and which neighborhoods the rent growth would come to. Wow. Well, Preston, and tell us how you like to give back. Yeah, I'm really passionate about seeing other people succeed. And I love to uh, help out any, any listeners on the, the show. I'd uh, love to be in contact. We have a program for a company that helps all the employees of the company get into their their first multifamily deal through some some down payment assistance. And another, another project that we work on as a company, for the past five years, we've been giving away free apartments a year's, year's worth of free rent through an essay contest. It's essayforfreeapartment.com. And the question changes changes somewhat each year, but it's somewhat revolves around if you didn't have to pay rent for a year, what would you do to improve your life or improve your community? And it's led to some, some fabulous stories from within the community. Wow. So then I guess those answers are judged and somebody's selected to get rent free for a year. Is that right? Yeah, we have a selection committee that employees of the company can can elect to be on, and it's a process to uh, read through. I don't know. We get about five hundred submissions, so it's that's a lot of essays to go through, and there's you know heartwarming and heart wrenching tales in there, but it ultimately leads to just a tremendous feeling and creates a lot of unity and camaraderie on the company. Yeah. Wow. I appreciate you sharing that and giving back in that way. That's very unique. I haven't heard anybody with a story quite like that, uh, that's giving in that way. So thank you for that. And, uh, but tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you. Yeah. Our website is wallspropertygroupre.com. That's the investor side, the syndication side and wallspropertymanagement.com. All spelled out as the property management, construction management side. And we've got pictures of before and after construction projects we've worked on there. Awesome. Thank you, Preston. You bet. Thank you, Wendy. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. 
subscribe too, so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.